ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you've got ideas for future episodes of Ignition, please contact us. There are two easy ways to do so. You can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. You can also tweet at us. The Twitter handle is at SFDiocese, S-F-D-I-O-C-E-S-E, and use the hashtag Ignition. Please, no tweeting and driving. <laughs> or emailing and driving if you're, you know. Yeah. You know, I just start watching now, like on the interstate or on the roads, like how many people are going past me with their heads down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, like, why are you staring at your steering wheel? It's not going anywhere. <laughs> oh, it's not your steering wheel uh, that you're staring at. You know, my, uh, a few people, a few people, um, several people, but a few people in particular have really uh, convicted me, um, uh, no pun intended, of the need to avoid using my phone while I'm driving mm-hmm. other than to talk to. And even then, I think you have to be careful. Yep. Um, co- some coworkers, but also my kids, which is just a little ironic to me that kids, because when they, they start being, driving... Are, are they being indoctrinated by public service announcements? They might be. Yeah, that's possible. Sometimes that's okay. I'm just saying. Nanny state. <laughs> nanny state. Have we done an episode on the nanny state? No. We, uh, um, pink police? Pink police state? I th- either we did or we were going to do one. I can't remember last you year. You shot me down. I know. Not, no, that's just been one episode, which we... I think, by the way, I think I figured out a way to work that topic in. So, oh. so uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we'll figure that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, as as mm-hmm. Father, by the way, uh, you mentioned your name earlier. Rank and serial number. If you so uh, desire. Yep. So my uh, rank is that I'm a pastor of St. Paul's Parish in White and director of the Pope Pius XII Newman Center, a Catholic mission to South Dakota State University. Wow. Now, if you've listened to Ignition before, you would know that was incredibly brief. I know. I don't always, but I, but I don't always do the long one. I know. I know. Uh, I'm Chris Bergwald. Uh, uh, I didn't mention director of adult discipleship and evangelization with the diocese, uh, husband and father. I'm, I'm mimicking father's brevity. So we'll leave it at that. Way to go. So we mentioned at the top of the show that we'd love listener feedback, uh, comments about our episodes. We Quest- love it like we love peanut M&Ms. Uh, huh? I love it like I love peanut butter M&M's mm. myself, okay. but not Reese's Pieces. Okay. By the way, it's Reese's, not Reese's. Reese's, it's it's Reese's. Now you didn't use. I don't know what you said. I don't know what you think, but I've heard that more than once. Okay. I'm just. Wow. Yeah. This is this just is just to clarify. This is deep. It is. It. I don't know why. I don't know what it's bringing out. There's me, some father. deep hurt. There's some deep hurt here. It's a deep wound. Is this a person of interest reference? No. Okay. No, nothing to do. No, no. People are, anyway, my kids, speaking about indoctrination, my kids are being indoctrinated into mispronouncing this candy. Really? It's Reese's, not Reese's. Is that why, is that why you're upset? <sighs> Must be. Um, 
As we said at the top of the show, if you've got questions about what we're discussing, if you've got ideas for episodes, please let us know. Today's topic is, uh, is, is from one of those emails. It was an email. We have yet to get a topic request by Twitter. I just want to point that out. So either we don't have many um, Twitter listeners, listeners who tweet, or you're choosing to not let us know uh, topic ideas by Twitter. I don't know. I'm just saying we've never had a, a topic request via Twitter. Be that as it may, our question for this week comes from Carl, uh, who says that he's been listening to our show for some reason. Uh, he didn't say that. That was an editorial insertion. And was wondering if you could talk, do a talk about grace and being in a state of grace, uh, as well as Catholic versus Protestant understanding of grace, etc. cetera. Um, and I think we can do that, Father. I think we can. All right. I think so, we can nail this. So that's what we're going to discuss in today's episode. Uh, really just what is just giving sort of an introduction to the Catholic theology of grace. And as is so often the case when it comes to matters theological, it's, Im- it's important first to make um, um, uh, relevant distinctions. Yep. Uh, we can speak about grace in a general way, um, uh, but but I want to begin by distinguishing between two important kinds of grace. Uh, the, the way that our tradition has come to refer to the different kinds of grace, two fundamental forms of grace, actual graces and sanctifying fake. grace. <laughs> we have real grace and, and fake grace. And, and then fake grace. You've, you've got the leather and then you've got the faux. Faux pas. Yeah. Faux de fa fa. <laughs> so, Flight of the Concords. Um, well, I haven't heard that name for years. I was just going kind of like, are word, they still around? I'm just doing word recognition. Are they still head, around? You know? The Flight of the Free flow. This is just free flow. All right. Yeah. Word, word association. <clears throat> Actual and sanctifying grace. Sanctifying or habitual grace, uh, which it, you know, we'll get into that, what we receive through the sacraments. But actual graces, Father, um, those, are the, the, those are sometimes described as the helps that God gives mm-hmm. us. So uh, grace generally might be understood in a general way as God, what, what God gives us to help us in, in various senses. Actual graces are those helping graces that maybe prompt us to do something we should be doing. Right. And actual grace is about action. Okay. It moves us to action. Yep. Uh, I like to, th- uh, here in farm country, I love uh, the phrase actuators. Sure. Uh, on hydraulic equipment on the farm, sometimes people will call that an actuator uh, because it's movement. Right. And that's the same way with actual grace is that it's a movement in us. It's a movement to pray for someone, a movement in your heart to go to confession, a movement in your heart to uh, stop in the, uh, in the uh, chapel and say a prayer. And so it's a movement in your heart in that way. Yep. So this is, and that's something that, um, as with grace in general, is unmerited. We mm-hmm. do nothing. It's a f- yep. grace in free general gift. is a free gift of God. Um, he's gracious in, in, in that sense. And we can't control like when they come. That's part of the fact that it's a free gift. And so, oh, I feel really groovy feelings in my heart whenever I listen to uh, this CD or this praise and worship song or read this Bible verse. And I therefore- thought you were going to say ignition when you, I listened to ignition, but that's not where you went. No. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> uh, and, and therefore. I, and uh, Yeah. So it's, it is that free gift. Another way to think about actual graces is, is I think what in Ignatian spirit direction they call consolation, yeah. I think would be a form of actual grace. Sure. sure. So again, those helps. And great. So Father joke earlier, actual is distinct from fake. No, actual right. in the sense that, as you said. It's a it, movement. It's a movement. So yep. it probably be to act. Whereas sanctifying grace doesn't move. 
No, seriously. It's, you're right. You're right. It does, I mean, I, I think that's the right way to, so sanctifying grace, it's habitual grace. It abides. Uh, we don't feel it moving per se. Sanctifying grace, sanctifying grace doesn't well up in your heart. Uh, at a moment of, you know, being at the Good Friday Liturgy of the Lord's Passion. Right. By the way, and, and just briefly on that, I think it's important to understand all forms of grace, because they are supernatural gifts of God, mm-hmm. um, we can never I, never identify them strictly with an emotional response Correct. that they provoke. Correct. So I, don't, I never feel grace. Right. I might feel the response right. to grace— uh, but I never feel grace because grace is literally not a feeling. It's above your nature. It's a it's supernatural, exactly. Okay. Which is what supernatural means, above your nature. Yep. So sanctifying grace. So this is the, as you said, the habitual grace, that the grace that abides. This is the grace uh, in, in which we speak of grace as divine life. Right. So God's own life. That, and I think we need to... <laughs> We need to sit with that for a little bit. This is um, we're, this is airing originally during the Easter season when we're celebrating um, the resurrection. Uh, God gives us his own life, Father. We as Christians, as Catholics, I think those of us who are, are, are formed in our faith to a certain degree, I think we can take that for granted. But we shouldn't. We, the fact that God shares with us what it means to be God uh, really should be a moment of awe and and uh, prompt us to give him thanks and praise. Let's take a commercial break to think about that. <laughs> I'm kidding. We don't do commercial breaks. <laughs> I don't know where you're going with that one. No, that wasn't very profound. You were speaking very profoundly, and okay. I just kind of <laughs> unprofounded it. Unprofounded. I kind of profaned like, it. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Uh, no, go yeah, you're exactly right. Uh and again, this is, um, I think we've talked about this idea before, maybe not for a while, but the difficulty of actual thinking versus just imagining. Oh, yeah. Having God's divine life within you is something beyond your imagining. Yep. Um, but you can't think about it. Yep. You can ponder on what it means, but it's, it's a type of thinking that we're not very good at in American culture right now. Right. We're very good at imagining things, sensible things, but nonsensible things, which doesn't mean they're nonsense. Uh, and nonsensical doesn't mean they're nonsensical. Uh, it's difficult to do that. We're just not trained to do that very well. Yeah, we don't know how. Yeah, it's, um, Frank Sheed. Uh, yeah, the that's where I was going. For yeah, me. talks a lot about that. We, when it comes to God, the nature of God Himself, we can imagine. We have an an idea. Uh, no, no, I have an image of God, imagination, but God, His pure Spirit. So. That's in his book, uh, listeners, called Theology and Sanity. Right, right. Great book, great title. So what else can we say about sanctifying grace? Well, so we're talking about that idea of it's that, that's habitual, it resides in our soul. Um, and again, that idea of divine life. So I, th- I love how you said, like, you, you share an essence of what it means to be God. Yeah. You know, could you name what you mean by that? Just to clarify that. So I mean, does that mean that I can create my own world? Right. Yeah. Well, that's. <laughs> I don't. I don't. And maybe you have a thought. I don't know what that means. Well, oh. okay. So let, okay, let me I've got a couple things. Actually, a couple I things do. came into mind. So mm-hmm. just as okay. I say that, the nature of God is to love. Okay. Yep. So, so to and to love in in a way beyond my imagining. No pun intended. Um, so if I share in God's own nature, I'm entering into that 
perfect form of love that is the Trinity. The Father pours himself out to the Son completely. The Son completely receives the Father and reciprocates, returns that love completely. And that mutual exchange of love of persons generates the the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. So for me to share in God's own life makes me, uh, forgive me, but a better lover. Don't forgive yourself for that, man. Well, claim, claim it, <laughs> claim a lot. I was actually uh, I was, a couple nights ago. I gave a talk to my college students on the sin of gossip. Yeah, and I said I want to talk this because uh, talk to you about this because I want you to be better lovers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So what else came to your mind besides that? Um, eternal life. Yeah. Yeah. You know that we can live forever, but it's only by God's life living within us that we can do that. Frank Sheet again in his book, The Map of Life, uh, talks uses the analogy of going to a foreign world. Mm. To go to and be on a foreign world, you would need uh, something. You need something outside yourself to live there. Right. In the same way, when you die, it's going to a foreign world. And so we need God's divine life that when I die, I might still live. Right. And I could only live by His life. Yep. And I think one thing to correct, because this comes up a lot, or it's been coming up a lot, at least for me and my work, people have this idea of eternal life, heaven, um, as being paradise like Adam and Eve may have had in the right. garden. It's beyond that. Right. It's beyond that. It's They have perfect natural life, natural existence. Uh, ours goes way beyond that. We have that. a supernatural perfection. Supernatural yep. perfection. Yep. I has not seen... Ear has not heard what God has ready. I was waiting for you to finish it. I'm not, I'll say it. I'm not going to sing. You have a better voice than oh, I okay. do. For those who love him. There you go. Uh, this is, by Spoken the way, word version. a preview of the musical episode of Ignition, which which is yet to come at some point in the future. Near or far, I don't know. So if you don't sing, and we're going to do a musical episode, would that make you the, uh, what's his name? Who's the actor? The Russell Crowe? <laughs> he tried. He tried. Okay, but are he you going to are you, are you, are you Russell Crowe? Well, I kind of like your idea of spoken word. Okay. I think I could roll with that. You're listening to Ignition, a broadcast for the new evangelization. I am Chris Bergwald. I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And if you have feedback, questions about today's episode or ideas for future episodes, email us using ignition at sfcatholic.org or tweet at us with the Twitter handle at sfdiocese. Use the hashtag Ignition. And we're talking today, uh, responding to a listener question. Thank you, about, Carl. About grace, the nature of grace, what it means to be in the state of grace, etc. Uh, and we we're just talking here about the distinction between actual grace and sanctifying grace. Uh, and before our break, we ta- we're talking about uh, sanctifying grace, participation in the life of God. So how do you receive grace? Say please. So you need faith. You'd ask for it. You didn't. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know. We can only for sanctifying it grace. I think you need to ask. Infants. The the faith of the parents speaks faith for of the, the parents. Infants. Someone's someone's faith. Yeah. Yes, yes. Faith is necessary to receive. Right, right. Uh, I'm reminded here of a quote that I love. Um, that that uh, when it comes. At a certain at a certain level, we're all beggars. Yeah. Everyone is a beggar. Uh, the Christian life to be a Christian is to be a beggar. Uh, I can only receive God's grace in that way. We are be- we are all beggars in the hands of a generous God. Amen. So, so a little plan words I did there. That was <laughs> from the classic 
Puritan? No. The classic Puritan homily? We're all sinners in the hands of an angry God? Oh, no. Yeah. We're all beggars in the hands of a generous God. I don't know. I don't give homilies, so I don't, you know. We're all, we're all beggars in the hands of a generous Father. Amen. So, by faith, someone's faith, we receive uh, through, though, ultimately, we receive um, sanctifying grace through the sacraments. Right. That's the ordinary vehicle by which we receive sanctifying grace. The church is explicit that it's possible for God to give sanctifying grace in another manner, but the means by which we definitively know yep. he gives that we to us. We are certain to receive sanctifying grace through the life of the sacraments or to have sanctifying grace be strengthened in us through the sacraments. Uh, can God use something else? Yes, because he's God and he's not bound by what he binds us to. Exactly. But we are bound by it. And so we must preach and offer and lead towards the sacraments. Amen. Amen. So it's the sac. So I think oftentimes father, people think of, um, whether the Catholic or not think of sacraments as the Catholic rituals and so on, which they are, they are rituals, but they, they were, uh, instituted by Christ. Exactly. To communicate grace. Yep. So sounds like a definition from a catechism. from somewhere. Wow. <laughs> uh, catechism number? Don't know. Oh. Don't know. Um, I can't. You know, just as you know, chapter and verse, catechism number. It, it. It's in there somewhere. Um, uh, so it, it, these are not rituals that we created. They are not man-made. Well, they're God-man-made. They're given to us by the God-man, Jesus himself, as the means by which we were talking in last week's episode about how um, it's at the Mass that we can participate in um, the Paschal Mystery, Jesus' right. passion, death, and resurrection. What's well, through the Mass and all the sacraments um, that he gives us the means for that participation to happen. Uh, one metaphor that you sometimes hear about is there's sort of like the power lines that go from the power source to the recipient. Yeah. Uh, so it's the th- he, he gave us the sacraments as the means by which we might knowingly, definitively receive the grace that he, if you will, won for us on the cross and at the resurrection. And also be restored to the grace if by our own sin, our own fault, our grievous fault, we've lost that grace. Right, right. So what does it mean then, Father, to be in this? Well, anything else to say about sacraments and, and how they relate to, to uh, grace? I think that's a, there's a, there's a time in the catechism, all sorts of resources, but I think in terms of a summary for this episode, I think that suffices. Two thumbs up? Two thumbs up, okay. So then uh, part of Carl's question was also, what does it mean to be in a state of grace? Yeah. So uh, the state of grace would just be the objective knowledge uh, that you have sanctifying grace within you, the objective faith knowledge that you have sanctifying grace within you. Yeah, so to... to, to and I'm... And, and, um, mm-hmm. uh, you're I quibbling. Might, I, you're I, quibbling. I, I might, because we don't definitively know one way or the other. By faith, we know. Uh, we, we, Is we, faith not knowledge? Um, what do you mean by faith we know? Are you, we're certain... Jesus has told me and the church tells me mm. that this is how I receive divine grace. That's how I receive it. But for me to know, so here's, let me, let me back up. I would say, to I, have be, a, I have a moral, I have a moral certainty of whether or not I'm in the state of grace, but not an absolute one. That's right. All but that's still knowledge. Okay. Okay. And it's, it's, it's knowledge sufficient enough for action. Agreed. So, if, so, so I would say it, uh, to, to, to be in a state of grace means to have sanctifying grace dwelling within your soul. Right. Apart from my knowledge of it, that's what it means to be in a state of grace. Right, but the whole point of knowing what a state, of, even defining a state of grace is to know whether or not you're in it. 
I quibble with that too, but I'll let that one fly for now. I can define it regardless of whether or not I know it, and I don't need to know. Anyway, <laughs> we have. This is what happens when you're not here for a few weeks. We don't have these discussions enough. In any case, that was a look made for TV that I just gave Dr. Bergwald. Yes, it wasn't a look made no. for radio. And no, so no, couldn't exactly hear my eyebrows. We, <laughs> um, I would agree with you that we, we have. We certainly do have more knowledge. That's why I can be fairly confident that I'm not in a state of grace and therefore I need to go to the sacrament of reconciliation Right, and vice versa. I can be fairly confident, morally certain that I'm in a state of grace and therefore I can receive Holy communion. Correct. Agreed. Right. And not absolutely, not absolute in the sense though of, and that I have a moral and that I have a moral confidence that if I should die right now, that'd be go to heaven. Right. But not an absolute one, which can bleed into presumption. No, that's where I was. Quibble. Well, an absolute knowledge wouldn't bleed into presumption. Because it would, it would be, be an presumed. absolute knowledge. Right. Well, that's true. You're right. right. And the only reason, because I'm just mindful, and this will flow into the final topic we're going to be addressing here shortly. Um, at the Council of Trent, the the church wanted to make clear that, well, we could have this moral certitude that you have been discussing, you and I have been discussing. Um, it's not a metaphysical certitude, an absolute mathematical certitude um, because of this point about Pres- avoiding presumption. So um, some sort of confidence that I, w- that I definitely, well, yeah. But I want to make sure that people know that you can know. Yes. You know, with a moral certainty, whether or not you're in a state of grace. Agreed. This isn't some sort of confusing cloud and yep. that way. Right. So, so let's put a bow on it. So explain, summarize our discussion. What is it? Can, how do we know? Can we know? We can, uh, st- the state of grace in and of itself is, having God's divine life within you. We've been talking about habitual grace, uh, sanctifying grace. How do I know I'm in a state of grace? Well, I can have a moral certainty that by my baptism and uh, by the absence of mortal sin, I can have a moral certainty of being in the state of grace. If I've committed mortal sin, a serious sin against the Ten Commandments, then uh, I would have a moral certainty that I'm not in the state of grace and thus my salvation is in danger if I should die in that state. And I should promptly... Uh, go to confession uh, to receive absolution, forgiveness of my sins, and also maybe some understanding and guidance from the priest as to whether or not that action uh, is a mortal right. sin uh, to be avoided in the future. Uh, well, if it's not a mortal sin to be avoided in the future, but if it isn't a mortal sin, then I you know, can be informed of uh, you know, the need to go to confession as quickly in the next right. instance. Right. Well said. So um, I mentioned the Council of Trent, which was held in the 16th century. Love it. Uh, in many ways, not exclusively, but in many ways, um, responding to the questions raised by Martin Luther and the other Protestant reformers um, about all sorts of theological issues. Uh, and so this gets to our final uh, topic for this episode of Ignition, Carl's question about Catholic versus Protestant understanding of grace. The challenge here, Carl, and, and for all of our listeners, um, is the difficulty in talking in, in, in specifics about the Protestant understanding of grace because there isn't just one Protestant understanding of grace. Right. Uh, it really depends on which tradition or which theology uh, you're talking about. So you have John Calvin and a Calvinist understanding of grace. You've got Luther and his understanding of grace, but then you even have a Lutheran understanding of grace, which is distinct from Luther's understanding of grace. And those are just the two primary reformers, let alone the Anabaptists and the Anglicans and so on and so forth. 
So I think you had a great example of this yourself. Yeah, like uh, the Philip Melanchthon notion, uh, who Philip Melanchthon was kind of Luther's systematic theologian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and was he ever a priest? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't. Well, he, his personal he biography. Been. Yeah. Yep. Anyways, uh, Philip Langton, who would have this notion of, uh, grace being a legal notion of divine favor, that you're in favor, you're out of favor. Yep. God's grace says, no, nah, now you're in favor with God. Uh, and they d- use the analogy of, uh, being a pile of manure covered in snow. Right. That the state of sanctifying grace isn't a habitual indwelling in your soul. I'm pounding my chest right now on the radio, uh, but a habitual indwelling in your soul, but rather that you're a power maneuver that's been glossed over the ugliness, the badness, uh, the stench has been glossed over by a veneer, a thin covering of purity, which is God's good favor towards you. Right. So Melanchthon being yeah, the Lutheran systematizer, if you will, that even while it, it might be faithful to aspects of Luther's theology of grace, is it completely faithful right. to it? Because Luther, uh, in some of his writings, does indicate a belief that grace can transform as opposed to just cover or just be favorable, an imp- a legal uh, forensic imputation, if you will, that there was some transformation that can happen. So it's tough because even within the first reformer himself, Martin Luther, you have varying, if not potentially contradictory, accounts of grace. In the first protester himself. Exactly. So, so it's it's difficult to um, to talk about the Catholic, the Protestant understanding of grace because of of those. The other thing too, I think, Father. To be fair, I, I try to. Um, well, certainly, I think that you and I could, as we have just now, talk a little bit about what it is that Lutheran Lutheranism mm-hmm. so believe. Uh, generally speaking, if somebody wanted me. Go to the source. Right. Right. I, I, I can't tell you what exactly they believe because I don't believe what they believe. Right, and so I'm right. not a good representation of what they believe. Right. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. No, that's so I, I, if somebody want to know what the Catholic Church teaches, I would hope that you would first consult the Catholic Church. And maybe you might disagree. Maybe you might subsequently read critiques of, of Catholicism and so, off, so on and so forth. Great. But start by going to the source. Correct. Correct. And I would say that we as Catholics should similarly do likewise. If you have a question about uh, John Calvin, go to ask a Calvinist first, and then you can look to Cal- uh, Catholic critiques of him. Calvinism. So, Father, we've got a little less than a minute left. Uh, any final thoughts on grace? I like it. It wins. Matthew West does a song, Grace Wins. Oh. Anyway. Uh, not a big Matthew West fan. I am. Uh, I've got a Matthew West story for you sometime. Oh man. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Grace does win. Uh, as Catholics, we say we're saved by grace. You know, Protestants use the question, I'm saved by faith as a Catholic. We'll say I'm saved by grace. Right. Right. And so, so to be clear, you know, sometimes you get the false ideas of a Catholic works righteousness that Correct. I can earn my absolutely not grace. Yep. Uh, grace is always given first. Pre- maybe not sola gratia, grace alone, but grace first. Correct. Uh, grace primero. Prima. Prima. <laughs> and that will wrap us up, wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or tweet at us, sfdiocese, with a hashtag Ignition with any questions or ideas for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, my almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes Store. 
Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.